We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you Wednesday morning, October 26th. I'm here at the Timberwolves practice facility with Wolves beat writer Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press. Why do I always mess up your name when I'm introducing you? What did you just say? I think I said Jace Frederick oh, of yeah. the Pioneer Press. Let's just say there's too much alliteration with the Pioneer Press. You're already giving the P's in your head. You're ready to rock. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for giving me the out. How you doing? Pretty good, man. An eventful first four games, maybe even more so than I suspected. But it's been entertaining in a different way um, and maybe not the way that Timberwolves fans were hoping. Right. I think I think the one thing that has been missing here, if we just super distilled it down to the first four games, is something that you talked about. I think the first time you, you came on, on the show in September was that you thought this team was really going to miss Patrick Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt. Um, particularly in the starting lineup from an energy and effort standpoint. I think I kind of poo-pooed it, but that has clearly shown up in in these first four games. And I guess my question to you is how how permanent is this is this lack that they have? Is it is this a concern that you you think is going to last throughout these first couple months of the season, that this is going to be a starting unit that constantly feels like it needs that, or is this more temporary? In your opinion, yeah, the permanency is the ultimate question with this um, because it exists now for sure. Um, I think what makes me think that it could last for a while is you look and it's like, where do we miss it? It's all and it's in all like the little things that win basketball games. It's it's boxing out. It's chasing down a loose ball. It's it's getting back on defense, um, which the Timberwolves are terrible at. Um, and you can chalk that up to they've got two big guys, but it also is you've got three other guys on the court and they're not getting back consistently either. Um, they're all the things that like require just a little extra effort. They require a multiple effort. Um, you got to work a little bit harder. Everybody can do all of these things if you want to, um, if it's in your DNA to go out and do it. My question at the start of the year was like, okay, in the starting lineup, there aren't a lot of self-starters. Like there are guys who maybe need that extra push of seeing somebody else do it or somebody else nudging them along to do it. Um, yeah, the nudging. Yeah, you know, Patrick Beverly was a nudger and Jared Vanderbilt was a, I'm doing it. It's hard to watch me do it and not have you do it yourself. Um, so they kind of had the two different aspects of it. I don't do remember when when you, you were asking, you were writing a story about Vanderbilt coming back right. and you were asking a, a, a few of the players 
about, you know, what Vando was like to play with last year. I remember, like, TP saying something along the lines of just, like, you couldn't not bring the energy and effort to practice when Jared Vanderbilt was out there. Like, it felt weird to, to not do it when, when because he was doing it. And it was, a, it was a consistent thing. And obviously, we're not seeing the entirety of all right. the practices and stuff. But you have to imagine, given what these first four games have looked like, just from an effort standpoint, that maybe that hasn't been there day in and day out in practice. You're I can't, smiling at me. <laughs> I can't imagine that they're going harder in practice than they are in the games. <laughs> that would be, I can't imagine if they're just flying around in practice and they right. get on target center court and then they're just chilling. Uh, but you're right. Like Jared Vanderbilt's the kind of guy where, by many accounts, the same guy you saw flying around the court in the games was flying around the practice court. And it, he's one of those guys where if you're not bringing it, you're getting clowned um, mm-hmm. because it very looks very clearly like that guy's trying and you're not. And so then you try so you don't get yourself embarrassed. Um, and that translated from the Timberwolves practices to their games. And they were the team every single night that was bringing it. And they were never going to lose because they weren't bringing it. They were going to lose for a myriad of other reasons, like a team could break down their defensive scheme, whatever the case might be. Maybe the Wolves didn't shoot well. Um, but the effort was almost never the question. Maybe five games out of the year, which is a great percentage in the NBA. Uh, but now you look and it's like these aren't energy players and they were they the team was like well we think ant and Jaden can be those guys but they weren't those guys last year and ant's a guy who will look magical one night and then the next three nights you're kind of like where's ant that can't be your energy guy he can't that can't be a guy who is it's already hard enough for like your elite score to be that guy mm-hmm. but then a guy who also is known for disappearing for chunks of the season um that we kind of brush aside and say well he's still young that can't be your energy guy Jaden is a good defensive player you want to assume that makes for an energy player it does not always it doesn't mean he's going to be diving on the the, the ground he's not doesn't mean he's going to be sandwich rebounding like this guy's always been a, a poor rebounder like that mm-hmm. often has something to do with energy as well so I don't know if they've got one in there and I think if you don't have one energy player I guess outside of Rudy Rudy is an energy player in his own sense but I don't know if that's enough I don't know if there's enough balance of skill with like effort intensity energy um, so I don't know if the mix is right and that would then lead you to believe that consistently they're going to have these problems in this lineup yeah I, I think about so Vando and Pat Bev are replaced functionally by Kyle Anderson and Austin Rivers, who, you know, Rivers hasn't played because, you know, Jalen Noel has played well. Forbes has kind of been ahead of him in the pecking order. Now he's hurt. And then with, you know, with, with Kyle Anderson, he did play in that first game. Um, but then then he's been out as well. Right. So I, I wonder, would we be feeling the lack of role players to the extent that we do if if he if Kyle Anderson was if Kyle Anderson was playing because I think what we're really talking about is not just an energy guy it's it's the overall it's the overall impactful role it's, player like th- that's what when I was going to you like okay yes we're not gonna have Pat Bev and Vando yep. who were those classic energy guys I was like there are gonna be other role players on this team guys I felt good about being good role players in Anderson Rivers to some extent Torian Prince yep. But they are different types of role players, bring a different type of energy. It's it doesn't have to be flying into the stands to save a rebound. It's just doing the little things. It's it's getting back. It's knowing the coverages. It's always being in the right spot. Um, it it's like it like I said, sandwich rebounding. It's putting an extra body on a guy to make sure that Rudy Gobert gets the rebound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't show up very often, but teams talk about it all well, the time dude, and, and that stuff was a problem a year ago too there right. was there was still like the, the execution of effort was an issue this was still a bad defensive rebounding team when you had jared vanderbilt and patrick beverly on the floor so 
veterans don't have to play as hard because they know what has to be done mm-hmm. and they know the little uh, the little tricks of the trade that can make it look like the full effort because they're just doing a b and c and they know that's required to win as much as anything there are so many little things that add up to whether you win a game or not and minnesota is leaving like 70 percent of the boxes left unchecked through four games um and it's always kind of asked finch this it was like None of these guys have ever been asked to do these things in the starting lineup. Starting lineup mm-hmm. specifically. Kyle Anderson's not fixing that problem. He will like make it look smoother throughout the course of a game. But like starting lineup specifically, there's a lot of guys who have never checked the boxes that Minnesota needs checked in terms of winning a team basketball game. And so now the question is, who is now going to kind of change or add more to their plate than they've done before um, to make sure that unit specifically is, is performing at its peak? And I still think it's very much TBD. And so, like, I, I think the effort is going to go up some, right? I, I would expect tonight yeah. that this has been harped on in that way, and I think that will there will be significantly more effort in the next four games than there were the first four games. There better be. Right? Tonight is an ultimate litmus test. Like, you know, you might be listening to this podcast after the game or whatever, but if they do not mm-hmm. increase the effort against the same team, knowing what the Spurs are going to do, knowing how they got punked, Chris Finch's word, not mine, um, in that last game, and they do not respond, mm-hmm. then you can start really being like, ooh, maybe this team just doesn't have it in there. That, that would be a major indictment. If they do come back, then, it's, then you can start to say, okay, they can do it. It's just how do they do it consistently. Um, but if they don't do it tonight, I, I'm going to question if they've got it at all. So you said there's 70% of the boxes aren't checked. Not all of those 70% of the boxes tied to effort and energy or at least directly like what what are some of the other areas in addition to the basics of running back sandwich rebounding putting bodies on guys that you think this team can show that will make more immediate difference and pay more immediate dividends back to you know winning basketball I mean just ball movement I mean Chris Finch talks about that mm-hmm. all the time and we just see in large it comes back to the starters and it is a lot of ball dominant guys who aren't necessarily used to sharing the ball but the same guys who are having that problem had that problem at for chunks of time last year as well the beginning of last season the offense wasn't great and it was because the ball was so sticky I mean Chris Finch looked like he was going to pull his hair out and it wasn't really until after the COVID times when all those guys were out mm-hmm. and Cat D'Lo that right. the bench started to move the ball and that kind of became contagious uh, to where when they came back everybody started to move the ball um, mm-hmm. and is it going to take that again? Because I don't think another, you know, knock on wood, I don't know if these guys are all going to miss time and watch the bench move the ball again. Uh, but that's the same issue as reared its head again. And that's a big part of, I think, the offensive struggles and not figuring things out yet. You could say some of that's unfamiliarity, but Rudy's the only guy in that starting lineup who wasn't already here playing a lot of minutes together. Uh, so that's a big one. Um, it's just, it's all the things where it's like, what do good basketball teams do? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they rebound, they get back defensively, they execute their scheme and you might score against it, but they're going to make it kind of difficult. Um, yeah. It's not just a talent thing. I mean, like I I think like when you're saying those things, the Boston Celtics from last year, come to my mind, you know, of like obviously had the talent, but realized that maximizing that not, they didn't have like super, super talent all the way up and down the the Katie warriors out there. Yeah. No, it was like to get to that point, it was going to be about maximizing Tatum and Brown by having Al Horford and all those other guys do these things consistently. That like that's what Horford is. That's He's just a guy going to do that as yes. well with these teams. Yeah. And and I just think we've. I think I, I like this about the NBA. I think it's moving into 
like in this decade mattering a lot more about what your guys are like seven deep in your roster are doing. Whereas obviously we know the early 2010s were more defined by big threes and that sort of way. And, and this team is largely constructed more in that image, right? You yep. made the superstar trade. You put three, four star players together on a, on a team to be able to make that work in, in the 2020s. You need to have other players that are surrounding them that are challenging the idea that their talent is not enough to just make it work, you know, and and it right now it hurts that they do not have Pat Bev and Vando to be that person. I'm just curious where that is going to come from. I think it, to some degree it will come from this team, but there aren't there aren't the obvious answers of, of people to point to because. You know, Jaden is the quote unquote role player in the starting lineup, um, but it's not a, you know, is not a vocal person like who, if it comes from somebody in the starting lineup, who does it come from? Rudy? It's Rudy. And I think, and Rudy is very honest post game as well, what they need to do better. Um, but he also is like, I need to do these things better. Right. Uh, but it's Rudy. It's awkward because you've just got here, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not trying to overstep your bounds to some degree. And. I think he probably knows the persona that it was thought of that the way he held his teammates to account ruffled some feathers in Utah. Yeah, so and the worst thing to do would come right, to Minnesota and, and immediately and go ruffle right feathers. into that yeah. and be that guy calling guys out. You know, like to some degree, and I'm not saying it's going down that road. I'm just watching it. When Jimmy Butler was here and watching like the playing it out of Jimmy was like, hey, it's going to take time. We got to do this better. We got to do this better. We'll get there. And then, like, 15 games in or so, the tenor started to change of, like, I'm not sure this is going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the Wolves do have time to fix it. But I do think that if they continue to play like this, that's going to wear Rudy Gobert's patience then. Because Rudy's 30. Rudy wants to contend at a high level. He's talked about knowing what it takes to be a championship team, even though he's never been on one. But, like, understanding we have to do this and this and this. And if guys continue to show that they aren't interested in doing that, well, then I think we're going to start to hear some different words from Rudy. I and mean, we'll see if that is what it takes for things to click. Yeah, or we'll all, see if maybe just getting embarrassed. Right now, all of his challenges right now that he is saying in the post game are, you know, he's, he's putting in the, the caveats. But I think he believes that, you know, some of this stuff, rebounding, the, the getting back, like it, it, it starts with me, yep. you know. And, and he's not only saying that he's playing a role in it, but he's also saying, I do believe we can get there. Yep. And, and, yeah, those are going to be – and particularly when it happens, you know, in the moment after a game when the frustrations are high, you know, that's what I'll have my antenna on for when when he's if he ever stops including himself as being part of the problem or you stop getting a sense of his you know belief in it. And obviously, you know, he can sort of call his answers in a way so as to be that. Today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife Brewing Company. Falling Knife is a brewery located in Northeast Minneapolis that is set up for Wolves viewing every game all season. They got TVs and a projector screen that will be on for every Wolves game all season, and they'll always have the sound on. If you're looking for a place to go out to watch the game with friends, Falling Knife is the spot. Also, as part of my partnership with Falling Knife this season, I will be doing live shows in the tap room, and our next live event is on November 3rd. We'll gather for a couple of beers and some Wolves conversation on November 3rd at 6 p.m. And then I will start recording at 7. These have been a blast to do. I really enjoyed also bringing a third mic to the events so people who attend in person can ask questions live on the show. I think the questions are great in helping me understand 
what areas of my coverage I've maybe been missing and can dig into more. So come listen to us record at Falling Knife Brewing on November 3rd. Have a beer, ask a question if you have any, and if you can't make it on the 3rd, try out Falling Knife on any Wolves game night. This episode is brought to you by Land and Lore, the premier men's skincare brand that everyone is talking about. Finally, men are starting to realize that how you look determines how you feel and how you feel determines your mindset for success. If you've never tried a skincare product made for men, you have no idea how amazing you can look and feel. So if you've been one of the guys using a bar of soap, it's time to upgrade. Land and Lore is made with all natural botanicals, nutrients, and essential oils. It's safe, easy to use, feels, and smells amazing. Land and Lore guarantees if your face doesn't both feel better and look better in 14 days, they'll give you a refund, no questions asked. The company is founded by Mark Haysbrook, who started and then sold Hayneedle.com to Mark Laurie. So a bit of a Timberwolves connection here as well. But the primary reason to try Land and Lore is because everyone loves it. There's no risk. And you get a 15% discount by using Dane MBA at checkout. I've personally started using both the shower kit and the face kit, and I love it. I've never really used skincare stuff before, but now that I've used Land and Lore, I'll never not use skincare. I just feel better. So check out landandlore.com today before they sell out. Again, that's Dane NBA, no spaces for 15% off at landandlore.com. That's L-A-N-D-L-O-R-E.com. The point is, I don't think we're anywhere near that right, right now. I don't either. I, I think, and and for all the people who are out there giving the the logical pushback of this is four games into what should be a four-year right. experiment yep. or four-year test of whatever this group is like that that's fair and i think that's totally what the energy of this group is right now like wouldn't you say from the players we've talked to there's i don't think when i'm in the locker room or at these press conferences or at practice that i get the sense that this team at the moment is deeply concerned about these things no i don't think so either i will say like last game was the first one and rightfully so you were down 35 points where it started with Chris Finch and everybody else on down, there was a large acknowledgement of, yeah, okay, what we're doing is not enough. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it needs to be much better here and here and here. We're just getting outworked. These same things were true in the Oklahoma City games, but when you're winning, you can kind of be like, mm-hmm. yep, it's a process. We're getting there. It's going to mm-hmm. take some time. This was the first one of like, we're just not playing hard enough. Like right. That was the first acknowledgement of like, it doesn't matter that we have a new guy, that we're changing some things up. Like, we are not playing hard enough to win basketball games. Tim mm-hmm. Connolly said that on WCCO radio. A bunch of people have said these things. Uh, yeah, these are these are not outlandish takes. Right, I mean, it's just, and and that's the only reason I, I watch when I watched the Wolves game back. I watched it on the Sinners, the yeah. Synergy broadcast, which was the Spurs broadcast. Sure. And I mean, they were just it was it was for four quarters. Like the Spurs announcers just starting being like confused about why the effort wasn't there. And then to the second half, like laughing about it. Yeah. You know, so it, it there, there's really no ambiguity of any way. If you are watching this team play, have watched them play one of these four games that you can tell the things that don't make sense are the getting back on defense, the going to get the ball defensively rebounding and just any time. I mean, not any time, but so many times in the half court defensively guarding how twisted up yep. the the Wolves get. I mean, it is... And they're put into rotations every single time because they're time. not staying in front of anybody. So these rotations that obviously weren't going to, you know, with Cat 
guarding a four. And, and so these rotations were going to take time and they're getting stressed to such a high degree because they're getting beat off the dribble every single possession. Like this perimeter defense that was supposed to be good with Ant and Jaden um, out there next to D'Lo is, has not been great. Uh, so it's it's kind of been the worst possible outcome. And I do think like, if you like have read my stories or even like my tweets from even going back to the first half of game one, it's largely been pretty negative. And it's because like, I just don't think you can stand for like the non-negotiables of basketball being ignored. And this team can't do that. And yet I feel like they've done that more often than not here through four games. It's like, why? I think it'll get, why, why though? Like, why do you think they're, why is that the way they are? Because it's guys who have been so skilled for most of their careers that it hasn't mattered and somebody else is always going to pick up the slack for them and take care of it themselves. Um, and I think that's been the case for a lot of these guys and a lot of these teams. And now that those guys aren't there, they're all standing around like, who's not getting back? It's like, well, you're not getting back. Right. And it's like, oh, I have to get back now? Mm-hmm. Like, And I think there's an adjustment period with that. And it's not even just realizing you need to do it. And now it's deciding if you are going to do it. Like, is it worth – is winning – worth enough to you to go out and literally do all the little things that have been done for you by your teammates in the past. I think it's kind of a decision. And I think Finch has basically even said this too, like we need to do it if we're going to win. And it kind of comes down to it's a decision that everybody in that starting lineup needs to make now for themselves. Do I care enough to do that or not? I think it's most on Ant. Um, in the particularly when we're talking about the the defensive stuff like I think obviously it's more like Rudy and Carl in transition some of that is you know just physically you know being bigger going for offensive rebounds getting back but when I when I look at like go back and watch these and awareness and locked inness which is also an issue with this team Ant has been really problematical on on the the defensive side of the floor and like you said so much of this is about ball containment. And and I think it was really concerning that they go, they basically give up on the idea of ball containment because they weren't doing it. Yep. Um, and then they've gone zone so much in the, the second Oklahoma City game and then so much of that Spurs game. And then Ant was consistently forgetting they were in zone. I, you know, it was, I, I tweeted out a couple clips of it, but it was, it was consistent and when you're in the zone, like Rudy's under the hoop, so the mic picks it all up. Yeah. And and he is constantly needing to tell Ant where to be. And this isn't complicated, like, concept stuff. Zone is, is stuff that you don't practice and you just play it because everybody knows how to do it. He was, he was, Ant knows how to play zone. Right. What was happening was he was forgetting that they were in zone. And, and to me, that's just not being awake enough to be like, I mean, you got to like, it's like anything, you know, you you got to have your like check marks in your head. We're running back. Like, what are we running? Who am I guarding? Like when Ant is running back on def- running first back on defense, like you need to be doing this. And that's something I really enjoy about watching Rudy. I feel like I can almost like as he's coming down, I can see him thinking. I can see him like processing. All right, I'm getting to my spot. What are the threats in my spot? Yep. And there's just like this possession in possession out. Like th- part of my job here on this possession is not just to guard a guy. It's to understand what I am doing if I have to guard yep. a guy, if that makes yep. sense. And an ant is is not there yet. Uh, and not even, quite frankly, through these first four games, not even close no. on the defensive side of the ball. Can I say, like, just off that Rudy point, and I will obviously link this back to Jordan McLaughlin because that's what I do, but uh, <laughs> Rudy, I watched, like, directing the defense, pointing. And that's often the anchor's job because they see mm-hmm. the whole floor. 
But he's just like yelling at guys like, you're over here, pointing, you're over here, you got to be here, he's going to look in to do this. And it's just the way I watch McLaughlin play offense. Like he's standing off the ball and he's pointing at who they should pass it to. Right. Uh, you know, and it's just those guys who are constantly like thinking not only about what am I doing, but what is everybody else doing? And I think when everybody's doing that, that's when you are at your best and when you are aware of what everybody else is doing because then you know how that infects, uh, mm-hmm. impacts you as well and where you should be. Uh, the Wolves are not there yet. And I totally agree with you on Ant just being the biggest defensive issue right now because, like, look, you can find 100 clips of Carl having poor rotations right now. No duh. Like, this is a guy who's being asked to do something new. Like, I am all about holding Carl Anthony Towns to account. This was going to be tough for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't put so much stress on him defensively right now because this was and, going and to be a work Ant in progress. He's putting more stress on Carl yes, right yes. now. Yes, yes. Like, yep. d- definitively. Yes. By... I and and again and I don't even a lot of the times when you know the a play is the full speed you're watching it live like you go oh no here's another like Carl scrambling out needing to be on the perimeter and it makes for it makes for one of those things that people will clip and and put on yeah. you know and put on Twitter or whatever and it'll be like oh Carl can't play the four and I've seen a, a, a couple of them that they've like literally cut the clip before the like action or after the action has happened. And and so many times on those plays where Carl does, granted it's on Carl too. Like a little bit, he's he's overcommitted. He's not yep. getting out there quick yep. enough. Maybe he doesn't have the foot speed. But so many of those possessions where Carl does look bad closing out to the perimeter are a product of McDaniel's or Noel or whoever at the point of attack not containing the ball and or Ant not getting over in that first rotation. Like it it has been, I mean. I'm taking it easier on Carl today because we talked a lot yesterday about a lot of the issues. There's yeah, a lot of these issues lot of there flaws, too. Yeah, but, but I'm just trying to focus on there is a lot of Ant and D'Lo issues yep. in the starting lineup. Both that, sides of the ball. Uh, both sides of the ball that are you know that are leading to greater defensive issues on on the back end. The, let, let's talk about the offense though. Talk okay. about Ant and D'Lo okay. offensively. Yeah, well, Finchson mentioned it after the game the other night. Like he said, our backcourt obviously means Ant and D'Lo are doing too much of trying to basically take the defense on by themselves, driving into the teeth of a defense. And this is always true. Like, just trying to attack early in a possession a set defense is, like, the hardest thing to do in basketball. There's no, like, Mm -hmm. everybody knows what their responsibilities are at the start of a set, and they know where the help is. It's You have to break down a defense with quick ball movement, get some guys moving, and now there are lanes, and now not yeah. everybody's sure where they're the helping. the same rotation that they're putting you exactly, in. Exactly, right. right, and you yeah. see how well it works, but Minnesota's not putting anybody in rotation because the ball is going to D'Lo, to Ant, vice versa, like one's passing to the other, and they're like, all right, I got it. Mm-hmm. My turn, this is a me possession, or it's like a me pick and roll possession here. And there's no like movement to get into a secondary action or anything. Uh, the play basically has one route, and that's the path they take. And sometimes it might work because they're so offensively skilled, but it's just not good offense. Um, and it's not creating very many easy opportunities. The only easy opportunities are coming because of Rudy's size advantage down low. Otherwise, I really can't point to too many easy looks this first unit's generating. Yeah, I think there are... Maybe some driving kicks. Yeah, yeah, there better. are some. I mean, that, that's that's where I hold out hope for this offense. The and offense, I, I'm, do, not, I'm not yeah. nearly as concerned about the offense. I it, think they'll get there. But. There, are, there are plenty of possessions when they do get an initial, like... The ball, like the 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 teeth of the defense is punctured. The ball moves. Then you come set the pick and roll, or then you play an action off of that. Dilo did ball ping, ping, ping. Dilo did great on that in game yeah. one against yes, OKC. It was very intentional. It was clearly like, here's what I'm supposed to do. Here's what I'm going to do. He would come down the court, 
move the ball and go into like his next mm-hmm. action. And within like seconds, Minnesota had one of the fastest like getting into their offense in game one. It was like four seconds that it took him to get into anything. Okay. That was great. Um, I think it's slowed down a little bit since then. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The thing, like, if I'm listing issues to the first four games um, and and how I'm, you know, talking to some of you guys and other things, I, I feel like other people have had more issues with how Delos play than I have seen through the beginning of this, understanding that, yes, there, there have been things, particularly on the defensive end, that I've, I've seen issues with Delos. I don't have too many offensive issues with what he's doing, except for at times when he's hit a shot the possession before or the two possessions before and then there is kind of a a conscious decision to be made that it i'm he's taking another one here and it's kind of that idea which is a basketball idea and it's part of playing the game of like someone's hot you know and and leaning you know leaning into that heat i just wonder how much space this team given all their offensive talent has to really let guys cook you know and for for consecutive possessions in a row. Like that very first possession of the game in the first first matchup, Delo, that's a dribble handoff with Rudy. Yep. Delo hits that three, yep. right? Clean action. Delo's a good shooter, knocks it down. And then the next possession is left side isolation of Delo against Trey Jones. And is, you know, he's feeling it after running a good first action and then takes a more difficult mid-range shot in in rhythm. You yep. know, he's feeling the rhythm of that. But you just wonder how much these guys, and it's not just deal. It's an ant thing. It's 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 very a much thing. an ant thing and a Carl thing as well. You know, very like much. How I I don't I don't know what that rewiring process is like for a player to be like, okay, even when I am feeling this right now, how do I still include someone else? You know, and I think that's if that energy kind of seeped into that first unit a little bit more, I think you start. I think everyone starts growing like individually and then obviously as a group too it's there are multiple problems with that number one is like when you're feeling it and then you're like kind of set on taking the shot you inevitably end up taking it more difficult shots um and a lot of these are the more difficult shots that then do make it difficult to get back on defense um poor shots lead oftentimes to transition opportunities the other way that's a good point that's part of it uh it does mean that other guys are not touching the ball for a couple possessions in a row, and these are not guys who are used to not touching the ball for a couple possessions in a row. So inevitably then, when they get the ball, they're going to be sticky with it. Um, and 
I think it all comes back to trust, right? Like if you're D'Lo, you know, if you're feeling it, you still at the start of the possession or if you're aunt, if you're feeling it, if you're cat, you're feeling it at the start of the possession, you still have to give it up and just trust that it's going to come back to you more often than not. And probably in a better position that you can more easily take advantage of. And it might not always, and you can't be frustrated with that either, but there has to be an idea of just trusting that if you make the right play, the other four guys around you will too, and your team will get the best shot out of it. And hopefully your teammates recognize like Dilo's got it going right now. Let's, let's, manipulate this play where he's getting the ball back in what we think is a favorable position. I don't think that trust exists right now. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of guys are like one sticky possession from one guy leads to the next sticky possession from the next guy. And it's like, well, no, I haven't touched it. I get the ball here. I'm going to, you know, we haven't scored the last two possessions. I'll take care of this. Right. Uh, it's, it is a selfish mentality, but as always, I think it like, it's not the worst intentions. Um, yeah, it just leads to bad that. results. Yeah, it's it's the intention is to try to tap into that rhythm. Yep. Which seems like it's selfish. Change the tide, whatever the case may be. So kind of last thing here, and this uh, this ties back into playing Pat Bev or you know, Pat Bev, because they are gonna be playing Pat Bev on Friday when when the Lakers come to town. And I'll just give you two scenarios. Okay. The Wolves win on Wednesday by fifteen against the Spurs team. And And it's it's not a the Spurs just you know choked it away. It's they beat beat the Spurs yep. by fifteen versus um, a you know a, a kind of closely contested game where they're they, they're they're back by six eight ten most of the game and they end up losing to the Spurs by fifteen. Win by fifteen, lose by fifteen. How will you feel in each of those scenarios going into Friday against Patrick Beverly, who was your energy from last season? Well, I, I just said it. If the if the Wolves don't come out with like, if they lose in the same way they lost last game, not even score, but just the manner in which they lost. Like you said, the Spurs broadcast is laughing at the lack of effort. And rightfully so. They and were, the, man. And the fans were booing because rightfully so. Like, I know you say it's not good to not, you know, a lot of people were like, you shouldn't boo your home team. It was pathetic, uh, the effort that they played with. If it is again, if like after seeing clips of it, if seeing like the relevance of it, like, hey, you're going to get beat every time if you do this. Um, this team punked you. This team, you, you now play them again and you let them do the same exact thing that shows no pride or urgency. I think it'll be like panic in the streets if that happens again. Like, okay, I don't so care if it's game five. So then so then what what is the what is the alternative? Is it are are you feeling a, a significant swing I'm, up towards positive? About I'm the group? feeling then that. It's possible that that blowout loss was what they needed uh, just to kind of figure out because they'd gotten away with it against OKC a couple of times. You got to see it's not good enough then before you can change it. Um, and maybe they're on that trajectory. I still won't be positive that they will consistently do it, but I will be like, okay, that's what it looks like when they do do it, mm-hmm. uh, when they do do all the little things, when they do bring the proper energy and effort. Uh, so it's in there. They just got to find it more consistently. So I will be... Cautiously, cautiously optimistic that they will, that they are indeed figuring it out and just are trying to find their way. I I, I am really expecting, and I don't know, this is especially with no Devin Vassell tonight. I mean, right, right, right. That's that's a big point too. Um, I I do think like like I would the Wolves are nine point favorites in this game. I would I would actually take the Wolves. Somewhere. I would too. I think it's um, shapes up too much like that. Just like knowing the NBA, uh, knowing that the Spurs need Vassell shooting in the worst way and they don't have it, and like Minnesota just got punked. I can't see them letting themselves 
letting that happen again. Yeah, I, I, I really can't either. And I think you do, particularly, you know, in in Rudy, like we were talking about before, like, and some of the other vets on this team, and I'd include D'Angelo and, and Carl into that, where they, you know, they have been through these things before where plenty of times they've, you know, lost games in the games that they should not have lost by a lot yep. and, and understood how to make that change back. Like, I don't think, I don't really actually see this group as like super youthful or like quote unquote immature. I think they have too much. They do have a lot of veteran presence on this team. It just, at least in years played on it. So my guess is that the Spurs, that Spurs loss is somewhat of a turning point here. Fortunately, they don't have a strong schedule really coming up here after that. Spurs again, Lakers and Spurs again. Yep. You know, like, I think you have to look at that if you're the group of like, we need to start getting the snowball rolling downhill here. Because if they're already hearing, not hearing the noise, quote unquote, <laughs> and you're two and two, four games in the season, it's, it's going to be a serious issue to the mentals of the group. If you follow the two and six, three and seven, like I'm firmly in the boat of it's early. Like it is way early, but it's, it's also not far away from being three and seven or something like that. And, and having that will be a serious issue. Three and seven like everybody looked at four and nine from last year and they're like, well, they went four and nine. It's like the schedule was hard. You know, like they, they, yeah, what it was is the first three were easy, right? It was like, yes, Rockets, yep. or like yep. Pelicans, Rockets, Pelicans. Yep, Pelicans were twice in a row. Rockets, Pelicans, Pelicans. And there was Bucks, I think. Uh, then they played the Bucks. Yep. And then they had the Suns in there. And then they had Denver in there. And then they played the Clippers, I think, twice in there. Like these are good teams. Mm -hmm. This is like going three and seven now would be like, oh, you lost in the easy part of your schedule where you, in January would go, oh, okay, here's where we can go mm -hmm. six and one, seven and oh. Um, you're booting games. So then later on in the year, you get to beat good teams to make up for it. Uh, and more games on the road. This is a, this is a really lot of home games. Heavy. They've been eight plus point favorites in every single game. Wow. <laughs> like that, and that continues here tonight. First five games, eight plus points every time. Um, you can't be two and three on that. If they lose tonight or if they lose to the Lakers, who play more lackadaisical basketball than anybody else in the NBA. If they somehow get outworked by the Lakers, I will be just as like, ooh, something's wrong here. Um, so I think these next two are pivotal. Give me your uh, guess on record 10 games into the season. Well, I wish I knew the three after that. Um, but I'll just go ahead and say five and five. I'm going to say six and four. Okay. I, I do my I'll probably guess... look at those other three and be like, oh, yeah, they should be back. Well, well whatever. It's, it's more of an emotional feel of it. Like, yep. I, I do... My bet would be on the tide starting to turn. Does your is your bet games. that they win these next three games? Um, no. You think they lose? I think one they of those? lose one of the three. Okay. Yep. Um, I obviously do two if I have five and five. Yeah, yeah. I and and like I just not really generally the like. Doesn't make. I don't. Sense. I don't go like W's and L's. It does down, not down work on the NBA schedule. Yeah, yeah, it's, no, it's, it it's fool's gold. <laughs> exactly. It's a foolish idea to do that. Um. All right, Jace, let's uh, let's close this out with uh, we've been Jace and I have been doing some prize picks uh, over at prizepicks.com and the prize picks app. Uh, we're through week seven now. Jace, we actually both got our picks correct. We both went two and oh on Thursday night football. Jace and I picked from just the Thursday night football slate. They set more thans or less thans of yards and 
touchdown totals, interception totals, all those sort of things. Um, Jace, I picked two rushing totals from this game, but uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, I'll go first. Um, I also picked a rushing total, so I want to steal one. Okay. Okay. It's, we can share. And, and maybe it's the opposite, but I picked more than 48 and a half rushing yards for Gus Edwards. So did I. Okay. Yeah. He's, he like last game, first game back from, you know, major injury and they ran him a lot. I understand Tampa's run defense is good, but I think Gus Edwards is just going to get an increasing workload that will. Yeah. It could be like 20 carries. For 60. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I see that. And like, and Baltimore's running game is so dynamic that it's not a traditional running game to slow down. So yeah, I have Gus Edwards of more than 48 and a half. Um, yeah, so I had that with Edwards as well. I don't feel like that that total necessarily reflects uh, the idea that he's the main back. That's basically what I'm betting on there. Uh, and then my other one is kind of just based on the idea that I think Tampa Bay needs to lean more into the passing game, which can and does include Leonard Fournette. Um, I think if you're the Bucks, it's similar to the Wolves, right? You got to like rip yourself out of whatever this kind of muck is that you're in and and I think they do that by having more of a passing game um, and I thus went with Leonard Fournette less than 51 and a half rushing yards okay yeah so that's where um, I think Leonard Fournette like Rashad White has these receiving totals and it's 12 and a half and I like picking like the minute ones Uh, he's went under that in two straight games I still think Leonard Fournette even with like his pass protection issues is the primary like takes the primary snaps and and we'll get more of the receiving work i don't think white plays enough like it has to be like bus one over that um mm-hmm. to go more than th- 12 and a half so i'm going rashad white less than 12 and a half receiving yards. you're getting crafty i know my crafty ones never hit too so <laughs> well on the year you're up to six and six. Oh, yes. i am five and seven but we're, we're working our way back we are fighting back to uh the positives here at prizepicks.com and on the prize picks app if you uh, would like to play along with us you can do that by downloading the app or going to the site and using the promo code dane uh, when you do that prize picks will throw you a 100 dollars sign up bonus as a reminder prize picks is a daily fantasy game not a sports book which means if you are not in one of the magical sports book states you can uh, still play prize picks i think it's fun it's also uh I haven't really dug into any of the NBA ones just like looking at, but like kind of during the midst of some of the games, I've been like, oh man, I wish I would have, you know, like these, like these NBA ones don't really make sense. So check them out for uh, the NBA there as well. Again, that's prizepicks.com or the prize picks app. All right, Jace, uh, this will, (laughs) this will have been our last podcast before things start turning better, or I think start getting uh, quite a bit darker uh, around these parts. I really don't know. Um, I really don't know. I think just for the juju of the group of the whole Minnesota Timberwolves players organization, fan base, us, like I think a bounce back is pretty important tonight. And like I said, I would I would bet on that. I need a bounce back because I feel vindicated because like even when the Wolves beat the Thunder in game one, I wrote it like they lost because I thought it was a terrible effort. Um, so I've been on the negative side. If they if it gets darker, I don't know if I can go darker. So I need to bounce back because I don't know what darker would look like for me at this point. <laughs> that's that's fair. We'll we'll see. Um, I will be back to discuss whatever happens in that game on Wednesday with Kyle for the Friday show. Um, Kyle's actually heading out of town on Friday, so we're going to record that Thursday night. So you can probably look for that in your feed late Thursday night or for sure uh, Friday morning when you wake up. Uh, thanks for sticking with us with this team. 
I think everything's going to be all right. He's Jace. Follow him on Twitter at Jace Frederick. Read him at the Pioneer Press. I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore NBA. Till Friday. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop. Yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around. The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-Month Emergency Food Kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com